Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Hey, Augie. Good morning, Nia. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm cold. <laughs> it is a little chilly. Um, folks, we're finally getting around to recording more episodes because people have stopped being interesting in the news briefly, <laughs> which I say briefly because who knows what will happen. Yeah. We'll probably record this and then we'll both look at the news and go, uh-oh, we have something else to talk about. about yes. But what I want to talk about is our is this episode series. We've got uh, like three or four that we're going to do here. We're not sure exactly how many it's going to take to get through. Bear with us, folks. Um, but we're going to talk about the FDA, uh, the Food and Drug Administration. That's right. And you know what it made me think of What's last that? night when I was thinking about us recording this? Do you remember Welcome Back, Cotter? Oh, yeah. Yes. One of the kids got hooked on something, and at that point, it probably was weed, right? It probably was a relatively <laughs> innocuous. Yeah. It certainly wasn't, you know, fentanyl, fentanyl or anything. <laughs> um, but anyway, and John Travolta's character, Vinnie Barbarino, Vinnie Barbarino came in and he was going, "Give me drugs, give me drugs, give me drugs, give me drugs," right? And he was walking around the room saying that. Yes. Um, as and and the guy's like, I'm not doing that. And he's like, Yeah, you are. Give me jars. Give me jars. Give me. Jars. He wasn't technically doing that, but it was funny the way he, the way, his friends reacted because some of them reacted like it was a joke, and, others and some of them just, reacted, yes, I like it was really serious and scary, yes. right? Yep, yep. I remember um, But it it just made me think about that. Give me jars. Give me jars. But I want to, and so. That is basically what, I, isn't that basically what the big pharma does when they, when they go to the FDA? Don't they say, give me drugs, give me drugs. Like, don't they say, let me make, let me make yeah. drugs, let me make drugs. Yeah. Where, where's our approval? Where's our approval? Where's our approval? <laughs> oh, there we go. Give me approval. Give me approval. Give me approval. <laughs> right. Oh, and they could get a note signed Epstein's mother's doctor, <laughs> which would be fabulous. Okay. So that's enough retroactive for our, uh, 50 plus crowd yes. um but in actuality the fda does not give you a note well i mean technically it does give you a note from somebody's doctor from their doctor saying but it's not a process of you show up and you say ta-da i have a drug and they say we love your drug here's approval it is yeah i mean it's not like that it's not like that at all it is a very time labor expensive process um and, and 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 we should you know probably provide a little bit of disclosure before we begin this episode folks we are going to have a, a civil critical discussion about the drug approval process um that one must go through uh to have the fda the food and drug administration approve one's drug right Right. We're going to point out, okay, why it takes so long, why it is so expensive. If that sounds like we're being empathetic to drug companies, okay. We are a little bit. We are a little bit. We also recognize that big pharma is also big evil. Yes. Okay. Because they have made a whole bunch of money producing a whole bunch of drugs. Okay. And, and they've made some 
noted mistakes, which we are going to get to in a later episode where we are going to talk about, oh, that was a choice. That yeah. was a bad choice. And we're also going to go ahead and talk about the strengths and weaknesses, the pros and cons of the FDA drug approval process, right? Right. Because remember, folks, this is a government process. And as, as we've noted in numerous episodes of this podcast, if you want efficient, effective, and economical okay, work done- Processes. The federal government probably <laughs> is not for you. It's not your example. Um, and there are reasons in some instances for what yeah. for what happens. But let's start with let's start with Big Pharma first. So I am working at Big Pharma, right? Yes. I am working for one of the companies. Yes. And I say I want to have a drug that will lower the rate of sarcasm <laughs> that college professors engage in in their classrooms. <laughs> So I have a targeted audience, right? Like, because one of the things you have to have is a a problem you're trying to solve, right? A, yes. a you can't just say I'm gonna make a drug that makes people happy. Well, I mean, I guess you could. That would probably call that an antidepressant. But <laughs> but you, but it has to have a target audience, like because there has to be yeah, a purpose be. for the drug. There has to be sort of a what what target thing am I going after? Am I going after breast cancer? Am I going after, you know, brain disease? Am I going after yeah, heart, high, high blood pressure, glaucoma? Right. Yes, right. So usually you start off with a group that uh, or a or a disease that you are trying to yeah, uh, mitigate and fix medical something. health problem. Yes. Right. So okay. my problem is sarcastic professors in college so i'm going to make a pill that they can take every day that is going to make them less sarcastic in the classroom not that i know anybody who needs this <laughs> she said with side eye that the listeners can't see um but right so so that's my that's I feel my so targeted <laughs> So that's my concept, right? I that's why. <laughs> yeah. Now that that is not a and so then I put some chemicals together and I run over to the FDA and I say this works a charm. It doesn't work like that, right? No, Cuz there's not. way more steps in between. Yeah. Okay. So uh Neo with uh, the hypothetical um uh, you just described um uh, a pharmaceutical company uh first I mean, and this is basically the first step in the um, uh, drug approval process. Um, this is known as discovery and concept, right? So you have identified a particular medical health problem or issue, and now you're you're a pharmaceutical company, and you are employing, okay, hundreds, perhaps thousands of really smart researchers, scientists. Okay, who are trying to come up with a drug that will reduce sarcasm. Right? Do I have to tell the FDA about that stage? Not necessarily. Okay. Yeah, so not, I'm yeah. I might be doing that in-house yeah. without mentioning it yet. Yeah, in part because pharmaceutical companies don't necessarily want to go ahead and tell their rivals what they're working on. 
Right, because then they might all come out with an anti-sarcasm drug all at once, or whoever gets to market gets the patent, which we will get to later. Yeah, okay. And also, you know, in the lab, during the discovery and concept process, you may be think you may think that you're working on a particular drug to address a particular problem, but in the process, accidentally, you end up finding that you've created a drug that perhaps may work on a different medical health problem, right? Yeah. So instead of an anti-sarcasm drug, maybe you have an anti-cat drug. Yes. And now everybody who takes it doesn't like cats anymore. Yes. Okay. And that is not a side effect that you are willing to live with. Yeah, because you don't want to be going ahead and, you know, upsetting a whole bunch of cat lovers, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. That's for the librarians among us. Yeah. Right. So you're working on this, right? Um, and contrary to what most people believe, <laughs> okay, and there have been some survey results of recent vintage that I got to admit when I read them, I just started smiling, right? There was a, um, a survey done by the Harris Poll in spring of 2021, where they surveyed over 1,500 adults, okay? 35 of the uh, respond, 35% of the respondents thought that it takes only four to 10 years, okay, to develop a drug, typically, right? Four okay. To, four to 10 years. Right? What's the actual timeline? Oh, it's typically somewhere between 15 to 20 years. 15 really? Yes, 15 okay. years. So Big Pharma is just banging away at this anti-sarcasm drug and for 15 it, years with no with no, no payback, no guarantee, no... Yes, right. They're investing a whole bunch of their money, their shareholders' money, okay? Um, in, okay. And with no guarantee. Right? So, but but that's not... So that includes not only that concept part... But the, don't they call it the preclinical research part where you're, you're actually researching the chemicals and you're looking at what yes. other people have done and you're, yes. and you're trying to, to do a big, what we would call in, in academia, a literature review, yes right? Where you're looking at every single piece of literature. And by the way, that means in other countries, in other languages, you're having to get all that translated so that you can understand what's being done in this area and we're being silly with an anti-sarcasm because that's not a legit thing obviously yes but if you're looking at cancer drugs you need to look at every study that's ever been done about every kind of combination of drugs or combination of chemicals to see if it yeah because you're not only looking at the compounds that make the drugs, but you're also looking at all the research that explains the health problem. Right. So, so when you're talking about cancer, are you talking about lung ca- cancer? Are right. You you're picking about- a specific cancer usually because you're not, there's no such thing as a drug that would cure all the cancers. Yes. So, I mean, you have to be familiar, very familiar with the medical health problem, right? Right. So it would not be unusual for a pharmaceutical company to have two or three teams, okay, working on a particular drug, but from different perspectives, 
Just right, because so you'd have doctors on one team who actually understand the working of the what the working of the lungs is supposed to be. Yes. But then you'd have chemists on a team that would be looking at what chemicals affect yes. the uptake of blood in the lungs or whatever, you know, like all those different. Okay, I can see and I can see where they wouldn't necessarily be working on the same thing because they wouldn't have the same background. They want to have the same, but background. that's all before you get to anything where you get to. Uh, yeah, that's a test. That's, yeah, that's just. Yeah, so uh, uh, Nia, that's typically the second step: preclinical research. Then, and I'm the, sure that's years long. I'm oh, sure yeah, that's yeah. not a. Yes. It's not the night before literature review that many of our listeners do right before they turn in a paper. <laughs> we're not. We're not trying to be ugly, but. That would not cut it in this particular instance because, one, you don't have enough familiarity with, yeah, right. with the topic, but also um, Augie's is softer, greater than the FDA. Yeah, yes. And, and, <laughs> I, and I know many of my students are just like, don't believe that. Really? <laughs> Augie comparatively is an easier, greater? Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So the third step. Okay, is the uh, uh, clinical research step, right? Now, Mia, what do you think goes into uh, clinical research? Oh, great googly mooglies. Well, the first thing you have to do is, I'm sure, you have to test it on non-living things first to yeah. see if it explodes or blows up or does whatever. Yes. Then you test it on living things that are not humans, so you test on animals, and for the folks here who believe that that is cruel, um, that is not a debate we can have on this podcast, because there are many sides to that question, right? Sure. Besides, yes. uh, you know, um, so whether you believe or not that's cruel, it is one of the functions of medical science is that they, they tested on him, or excuse me, they tested on animals whose reactions would be similar to humans. humans. That's right. That's correct. And so sometimes that's a rabbit. Sometimes that's a monkey. Sometimes that's, you know, you it's know a, rat. a rat. Yes. I mean, it, it's going to vary. And, um, but they are required by regulation in the United States to do that on animals before they do that on people. Yes. Okay. Um, because the, whether PETA lovers and whether animal lovers around the world agree or not, the U.S. government perceives that human life is more important than animal life. That's correct. And that, that it's staged in that way. Yes. And so before you could do experiment on humans, and I imagine that probably Big Pharma would love to go straight to human trial because it would probably save them a lot of money and a lot of time. It would. Except that experimenting on humans is just roundly seen as not a good idea. Well, particularly if... Ask the, the Nazis, right? Yeah, I mean... I mean, particularly if you at some point in time, you know, want to market your drug, you don't want your drug company to have the reputation as, you know... Harming <laughs> we killed or, a bunch of humans yeah, harming trying to get to this drug, drug right? right? Um, you know, I, I'm... I'm I'm unaware of any bi uh, company's business strategy <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
the, the, the ones that don't die will be stronger. Yeah, no, that's a terrible. Yeah, yeah okay. That's a know. terrible strategy. Yeah, I, and I, I, and it does, and and I can give an example of when it does not work out. Right, there's a reason why we do it the order that we do it. Um, the anti-nausea medication thalidomide was tested on animals, and then it was tested on humans. Yes. Um, anti-nausea, and then doctors started saying, you know, who gets really sick are women who are pregnant. Yep. Morning. So we should give it to them. Yes. And the trials, I believe, had not been tested on infants. So they didn't know what they were doing essentially when they gave it to pregnant women was testing it on on um, neonatal. Yes. Fetus. On unborn humans. Right. Yes. Fetuses. Yeah. And what it turned out to do to fetuses was terrible. It, yeah. it, 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 it stopped your development. It stopped development in limbs it stopped development in all kinds of things they didn't know that till babies started being born yes with with, all kinds of deformities yes right and then all of a sudden they were like "Uh uh-oh so that's one of the reasons that we have clinical trials in the order that we have them first on non-living things then on on animals then on adult humans and then if it's going to interact with children eventually on children that's why you saw the COVID vaccine go through those, those go through those changes. steps because they didn't want to give the COVID vaccine to five-year-olds before they knew what it would, whether it could hurt five-year-olds or not. Yeah, and that that order is is designed as a kind of sort of accountability check, right? Because um, you hope, okay, that you figure out what are the side effects. Okay, before we actually get to trying it out on human beings and for good or bad. Okay, even, you know, Nia, as you just pointed out, um, uh, in the United States, uh, the priority um, is uh, uh, children must be protected first because the logic is, okay, children have the potential of a very long life. Right. Whereas, you know, many of us adults. Hey, we've already had our shot. Okay? Right. And, <laughs> and, and some of us have thrown it away. Like, so we right. might as well. <laughs> yeah. Right. And again, we could debate this. And okay. it's consent. Right. Yes. When yes. you go to be in a clinical trial, you sign 464 pieces of paper yes. that say that you will not hold pharma responsible for what happens to you during this trial. Yes. And, 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 and they and, explain every piece of paper to you. Yes. Nia, uh, uh, I, I have a, uh, a good anecdote from my life. Uh, when I was a much younger person, I participated in a drug trial in regards to um, it was for um, uh, it was an anti uh, uh, depression medication. Right. And uh, I volunteered. OK, of course, I was getting paid. It was one of the reasons why I participated. Okay, I needed the money. That, right, and that is a question. That is an ethical question about research, clinical okay. trials. Is you know, and, are and, starving and, college students really your okay. best audience? Okay, but I do remember um, it took nearly an afternoon, <laughs> a complete afternoon, listeners, to go through the paperwork. To go through the paperwork, right? Okay. <laughs> 
and, and I got to admit, when I got to the section about potential side effects, okay, I almost said, thank you, no, right? Because they... Oh, they have to disclose everything that has happened and before they in get, earlier trial. Before they get to the human trials, you know, the, the human okay. clinical, uh, clinical trials. When <laughs> given to this in human doses, rats fell over dead. <laughs> that probably won't happen to you. Here, sign here. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, but there was a lot of paperwork, right? And it took all afternoon. Okay. Um, and, and one of the things they disclose is that, you know, this is a controlled experiment, listeners. Right? right. So that means one group of the volunteers are going to receive the drug. And then there's one group that isn't. They're going to get a placebo because they're trying to figure out whether or not. Whether the drug works or not. Whether the drug works. Okay. Better than a sugar pill. Yes. Like is, if the <laughs> drug shows no, no more effectiveness than a sugar pill. Yes then there's absolutely no point in taking the drug. Like it's not a. And they also went ahead and screened for, you know, have you been diagnosed as suffering from depression? Um, you know, or in the case of our hypothetical sarcasm reduction drug, right? You know, if, you know. <laughs> have you shown, have you, have you been witnessed to be sarcastic? sarcastic. On a scale of one to 10, where would you put your normal sarcasm level? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they right. ask all the, and so what's interesting is sometimes you'll see in the newspaper or I know newspapers not anymore, but in, in online and in media, you'll see a request for people to yes part of a trial and it will say, are you between the 18, ages of 18 and 34 and suffer from extreme sarcasm? We'd <laughs> like to talk to you, right? Like <laughs> yeah. it's that kind of thing. Yes. You yes. see a lot of those where they already tell people to sort of weed themselves out. Yes. Um, so a lot of times you'll see, are you a smoker between these ages or are you obese between these ages? And can we get you into our trial? And then, like I said, there is some question about paying people to be in trial. That's a little sketchy, maybe would be a good way to put it. I mean, it, it, because what you do, what you what you may get are people who skew to certain socioeconomic groups. Mm hmm. Like you, college students who are like, man, I sure could use some pizza and beer money, right? Like <laughs> it, it may skew away from wealthy people. It may skew away from people who are more established in a different way in life and are not interested in being experimented on, right? It may and also it's, skew and it's more difficult. towards people who accept risk in a different way yeah. than people who don't. And it's harder to control for um, intervening variables right. because if the only ones who are participating are uh, poor people with little education who grew up, okay, with poor diets, poor, you know, living and housing conditions, okay, there might be other factors that right. are affecting, you know, a particular medical, med uh, medical health condition, which is why they don't just run one trial. Yeah, that's right. That's why when you say, when they say they've done clinical trials, it's always plural. Yes. They usually start with a small group in case it turns out to be something that kills people. And yeah. they, they don't want to kill 500 people. 
at a time, right? That's terrible. Yeah. Yes. They, they start off with a small group, then they usually expand to a bigger group. And one of the problems that Augie and I want to mention here um, as a problem with the FDA's um, requirements for clinical research is that back in the day, they did research on men. Yes. They didn't do research on women. Yes. And so they had no idea whether medication would work for women or not, right? Yeah, like, right. Yep. they didn't experiment on women. Part of that has to do with who has the reproductive burden um, in our, in society, which generally speaking is women. Women yes. carry children to, to term. Yes. And so they didn't want to experiment on women. But part of it was that scientists were experimenting on people who looked like them. Yeah, it was, so it was, you had male scientists experimenting on males, generally white males experimenting on white males. Or, so you miss conversely or white males experimenting on black males, black males, because the assumption was uh, 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 black males were inferior. Um, right. And, and, uh, and they could uh, their lives um, mattered less. So if there was harm um, or danger. Um, it would be um, uh, less of a cost to society. Right, which but, is where you get Tuskegee. Yes, okay. Um, and um, the horrific Tuskegee experiments. Like, let's there, just let people have syphilis, even though we know that that's a deadly disease. Okay, and some um, of it was paternalism in, in regards to gender, right? We don't right. want to go, we want to protect women because they have this, you know, vital uh, uh, role in society Okay, of, of of having our babies, okay, and, and maintaining the home. Okay. But what that has done over the years is push back our knowledge of those groups. And how drugs affect them. Right. Um, because uh there are, you know, physiological differences, okay. Between um, males and females. Males and females. And, and in races. some right, in some yeah. instances in the races, like it took us forever to to start studying sickle cell anemia. Yes, which is a it, condition that overwhelmingly affects African Americans right. more than Caucasians. Right. And yes. you know, so it just didn't get studied. So the FDA's got some stains on it in terms of not requiring trials where you have equal numbers of men and women, where you have it across races, where you have it across ethnicities, right? And, and religious groups, like all of those factors can change, the you know, and socioeconomic class, as you were saying, right? It, it, all of that needs to be taken into account in the trials. And so now they're much better about saying, no, 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 one trial is not going to cut it. Yeah, and, and I'm going to need to see a spread across a variety of folk, particularly because we... pharmaceutical companies, okay, if they're driven by profit, okay, I mean, yeah, I you know I read the literature from pharmaceutical companies, you know, hey, we we want to help people, yeah, yeah, okay, but it's still a business. Let's okay, be so honest, it's still a business. But if you're a business and you're trying to market a drug that it, it that has taken you 15 years to develop and you have invested in some instances billions of dollars yeah i i want to ask you about that in a minute how much it actually costs okay so you know just roll with me on this right yeah okay 15 years billions of dollars okay and you want to get a return on your investment you want to know 
that you can market this to as many people as possible. Right. That's why they don't do niche drugs for the most part. Okay. So you're going to want to do multiple clinical trials. Okay. With the greatest, if you will, number of people. Okay. Uh, so you can control. So for a whole bunch of variables, right. Right. Um, Cause the more people will buy your drug, the more you will sell, obviously like yes, you want so. your pain medication to fix everybody's pain, not just yeah. a certain group's pain. This pain is, this is made for, I mean, I'm not picking on Pacific Islanders, but in the United States, that's a relatively small population. Yeah. Right. So if you said uh, this, this works exceptionally well for Pacific Islanders um, who have knee pain. Okay. Well, after you've sold it to those 400 people, what do you do then? Yeah. Right. Like you're you know, not so with our hypothetical of reducing sarcasm. Yeah, it needs to be all professors, not just political science professors. And, and, and ideally, it wouldn't just be college professors, right? That's true. Okay. That is a niche group. Okay, that is a niche group, right? That's true. Okay, so... And one that doesn't make a huge amount of money. Okay. <laughs> okay, we have to rethink our concept. Okay, but now we're talking about reducing sarcasm for all middle managers... Okay, because most college professors in the you know bureaucracy of universities are middle managers, right? So now we want to go ahead and see if this actually works on middle managers in all private and public sector bureaucracies. Right? Oh, we would make a fortune. Okay. So now you if we could force feed these to Elon Musk, can you imagine? <laughs> I'm just saying. Anyway. But as part of the review process, which is the fourth step, right, is the FDA saying, how many people did you test it on? How wide is the, and here's a key is point. the, um, does it work? How widely does it work? Okay. So here's a key point because Nia's now just moved us to the fourth step of the process, which is the actual new drug application stage, right? Oh, wait, wait, wait. I want to ask you a question first. How much money does it cost me? How much money does it cost me to get to the FDA review stage? Okay, so I've read a lot of uh, uh, studies, but uh, on average, okay, um, it typically costs over a billion dollars to create a brand new drug. That's B. 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 Ba, ba, ba. B as in babillion. <laughs> yes, right? So, so. The Augenbaugh Rogers Pharmaceutical Company, made of two people um, mixing stuff in Augie's kitchen, kitchen. <laughs> is not going to be able to compete with yes. okay. Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson and GSK and all the others. Yes, right. Like right. that's just not. So it's really interesting when a little, when a relatively small pharmaceutical comes up with something. Uh -huh. they've clearly they've clearly done a lot of fundraising mm -hmm. right they've got a lot of investment from people who believe that they really are which is where you get stuff like theranos where you get that woman who what was her name elizabeth something anyway yeah who um, who um who fashioned herself after steve jobs um but yeah. she she got people to invest yes 
because she had a relatively small company and she got yes. people to invest gazillions of dollars. I know it's not a real word, but work with me. Um, it's a larger number than billion. Yes. And she got them to invest in that. Okay. So, so you're talking about a lot of money. Yes. It's yes. not, didn't your poll say that people thought it was. Oh yes. The, the, the Harris poll. This is great. Okay. <clears throat> Um, uh, 70 76% thought it cost less than a hundred million dollars, okay, to um develop a brand new drug, and it costs at least, at least 10 times that. that. Yes, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. so it's not cheap. Yes, okay, right. so now there's a form I gotta fill out because, of course, there's a form because it's the government. Okay, so have you ever applied to the government for anything and not had to fill out a form? Yeah, I mean, because let's face it, I mean, if no, the government does love a form. Yes, for no other reason, government agencies have learned over the years, um, one of the most important acronyms you'll ever hear on this podcast, CYA, <laughs> cover your <laughs> uh, part of you that could commonly also be referred to as butt, but tush, tush. your tush, your took us. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that. Okay. Um, but that reminds um, me of her purse. Cover you <laughs> took us. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, you got to cover yourself with reliability. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to need you to fill out this form. Actually, I'm going to need your fleet of lawyers. Yes. To fill out this form that swears that you were telling us everything that happened in the trials, including okay, so how the, many people died, yeah, how many times yeah. it didn't work. Yeah, right, so like hopefully. you can't just turn in all the good data. No, and, no, 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 no. And no. say, man, this thing yes. is fabulous. You just have to. So you know, our 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 pharmaceutical company, the Rogers Augenbach Pharmaceutical Company, okay, reaches out to the FDA and says, okay, we want to. <gasps> that would be wrap. <laughs> Rogers Augenbach Pharmaceuticals wrap. Yeah, <laughs> our wrap company. Hey, hey, that's a hey, wait a minute. That's a, a new idea for the podcast uh, merch. <gasps> <laughs> I like it. Okay, so anyway, wrap. So, so our we, our lawyer. We we'll, we we'll get who do we know that's a lawyer? Well, John hey, Freud time. We'll get John Freud time to file Freud's our time, paperwork. Or or some of uh, uh, our former students uh, who we know have gone to law school, right? Or Christy Artello. We know her. Yeah, she, she's okay. in Boston. We'll get somebody to fill out our paperwork and they'll be like, are you kidding me? Do you know how many pages there are on this form? So this then is going to cost yeah, you. Yeah, so now we're going to have to <laughs> I bet that part of that billions <laughs> is paying the lawyers. Yeah, the lawyers, right? <laughs> so what we're going to fill out is known as an NDA. Of course, okay, this is another this has an acronym, of course. Okay, a new but, drug application. Okay, new drug application, NDA. Yes. Okay. Right, right. So what we have to include. Oh, as opposed to non-disclosure agreement. <laughs> Funny that they have the same acronym. That, that dawned on Not me. that I'm a conspiracy theorist or anything. That dawned on me as I was doing research for, <laughs> for, for this particular podcast episode. I'm like... Wow. Hey, that's really similar. Okay. Uh, don't go uh, there. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> don't, the, hmm, conspiracy. Don't. And then you'll just end up down a rabbit hole and we'll right. never see you again. Okay. So, so what are the parts of the NDA? So as you mentioned, we have to include our drug test, clinical test results. 
And All it, of them. Yeah, it can't just be the good ones, <laughs> right? Okay. On on 80% of the people, this worked really well. What about the other 20? Oh, we don't talk about them. We, we don't talk about them, right? <laughs> okay. So, um, you know, it's kind of sort of like when uh, uh, I asked my daughter to clean her bedroom, right? She only shows me the parts of the bedroom that she's cleaned. <laughs> And then I get near her closet door and I'm about ready to open it. And Mackenzie steps in front of me. Okay, don't look there. <laughs> right? I'm like, why don't you want, to, want me to look there, little girl? Right? Nothing. So, right? That's what, that, right, what every kid yeah. always says. Nothing. There's no, nothing no, to see. No, okay, yeah, there's nothing. Second, you have to then uh, provide, and this is really important, okay? Um, uh, uh, the manufacturing uh, information to demonstrate that the company can properly manufacture the drug. Okay. And there are a oh. lot of parts for this. Okay. So, so Nia, what do you think a, a, a wrap, the Rogers Augenbaugh Pharmaceutical Company, has to go ahead and demonstrate in regards to manufacturing? Well, my guess is that if we are going to manufacture it in your kitchen, we have to show that the kitchen is clean okay so a and sterile, meets standards yeah a sterile clean lab manufacturing plant we'd have to show that you and i have some chemical ability to mix things without blowing things up or destroying the world so we're going to uh, uh, give the fda a whole bunch of resumes and curriculum videos showing the bona fides and credentials of the people who are going to be working there okay well that's short since it's two of us um, and I'm assuming that we have to show that we could make it in mass. Yes, because the FDA is going to want. What if it's really popular? There you go. And we saw this, uh, uh, listeners, uh, a really good example of why this is a, a big, okay, uh, if you will, consideration for the FDA. We saw this in the early part of COVID nineteen when they were coming out with the vaccines and one of the drug companies, okay, and I'm, I'm not gonna throw them under the bus, but one of the drug companies that produced a vaccine had a problem with one of their manufacturing plants, okay, um, that um, uh, made a mistake mixing the batches of the vaccine. Remember this? Right, meeting? so they had to throw all those away. Yes, and then they had to go ahead and see if any of those Okay, it, it, any, of the, any of the vaccine doses from that plant actually got sent out to hospitals, emergency rooms. And we're called. And we're called, okay. And, right, so, and, <clears throat> and also, didn't they shut that facility down because yes. the process was messed up? Like, yes. they had to investigate the process. And, and, and we also saw a more recent example in regards to the production of baby formula. Now this gets to the other side of the FDA, right? which is the food. the food part. Okay. But listeners we're recording in early 2023, right? In uh, spring, summer of 2022, the United States had a severe shortage of baby formula in the United States. Yeah. We had to hit up other countries. <laughs> Good to be like, hey, Ireland, you got any baby food laying around? And they're like, uh, maybe. Well, why are you asking? No reason. We were just thinking you might be able to send us some. Which, by the way, required 
the Biden administration to loosen the regulations because to let that stuff in, right? Because we don't let we okay. A whole separate issue, which we will discuss in another podcast, is the regulations of things coming into the country in terms of food and drug and what's allowed and how that is regulated. And he actually had to loosen the baby food, I mean, the baby formula regulations to allow a plane full of baby food to come, or not just one plane full, but I mean, like, yeah. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. anyway, and that's partly because we were down to a really small number of manufacturers too. I imagine that that also has an effect. Yes. Like your capacity. And then, okay, so we've gone ahead and discussed, you know, you have to disclose the drug test results, all the data that gathered on the human studies, the human uh, in the animal studies, you got to demonstrate your manufacturing. Then you have to go ahead and explain to the FDA your proposed label for the drug. And I know many of us, okay, hate looking at the labels on, you know, drug bottles. Oh, my great googly mooglies. Not just the label, but that horrible piece of paper that comes with it that's folded (laughs) 700 times like origami. And when you unfold it, the print is is like 0.6 font. And you're holding it up to your face saying, what does this say? And it's just... And, and, and for our younger amazing listeners, amount of information for our younger listeners who have really good eyesight okay yeah um, you're fine what you're do you, fine. you don't you, we don't want to hear you complaining okay but, but augie and i okay when we see we that already print, wear glasses i'm just saying when we see that small print we have to reach for the magnifying glass <laughs> right. okay and when you unfold that piece of paper okay it's not an eight and a half by eleven right? oh no Okay. I don't know how they get that piece of paper into that bottle because that piece of paper is the size of my apartment. Like it's enormous. Right. And that's where you get the origami folding thing that you get in there that they put in the side of the box. And by the way, that is in aspirin. It's in cold medicine, like all the normal stuff that you take over the, over the counter. There's one of those in there too, because what it talks to you about is, bad reactions and what to do if these things happen and what the possibilities are what could possibly go wrong like they have to disclose it's a disclosure agreement i mean a statement yeah it it, it even has instructions on how to use it right which nobody reads everybody looks at that piece wadded up piece of paper and they go huh and then they open the bottle and take however many they were going to take to start with but this becomes really important Okay, and in, in, in the example, <laughs> the, the example I'm going to give, okay, uh, uh, arose um, uh, when we finally um, found a good drug treatment for AIDS, right? And the initial drug treatments was uh, uh, how many drug cocktail was it, Nia? Three, four? Uh, it was seven drugs taken three times a day, I think. Okay. I think it was seven drugs taken three times a day, but they had to be taken very specific amounts of time apart. Like these two have to be taken eight hours apart and right. Like it was very regimented. Yes. And, 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 um, uh, and, and I know me and I, you know, reference uh, the TV show West wing, but there's a really good West wing episode. Right. The Bartlett Bartlett administration was uh, trying to convince 
the American pharmaceutical companies that had come up with these um, uh, AIDS drugs uh, to make them uh, available in African nations, either cheaply or at no cost. And one of the issues that arose was that the pharmaceutical companies said, even if we do this, they may not be effective. And the various Bartlett administration officials were like, well, why won't they be effective? Okay, because they thought the pharmaceutical companies, okay, were being racist. Right. The pharmaceutical companies said, because it requires a particular regimen taken at particular times of the day. And many people in those countries don't have clocks or wear watches. Right. And that, and while that is probably less true now, it now, is still true in rural areas in many parts of the world. Yeah, not just a regimented just effort, thing, right? Yeah, a regimented thing would be really hard to do. But for some of these drugs, for them to actually be effective and or not cause harm or death. Right. They have, have to be taken that way. Or you have to avoid taking take, taking the drug and eating certain foods right. or drinking certain beverages. So there and, are like there are uh, blood pressure medicines, right? Uh, um, that you have to avoid certain foods because if you take that medicine and eat certain foods, okay, it negates the medicine. It negates the medicine, or may actually cause you to have a stroke. Right. Okay. Well, and we saw that with COVID vaccines, the first ones had to be kept at a certain temperature. Yes. Which made them very hard to deliver to hot parts of the world. Yes. Because how do you keep something refrigerated now, when I want, you're driving it out? And before we conclude this particular episode, oh. uh, Nia, I want to mention one thing about the FDA's uh, approval process. Wait, can I mention one thing about labels first? Yeah, go ahead. That's where you get people who say it's an on-label use or an off-label use. Mm -hmm. What they're referring to is that label where it says this drug is to be used for high blood pressure. And Augie's like, yeah, but it also helps me lift weights in the morning. So I'm going to take it as an off-label dr drug, right? Like, and his doctor may say, Augie, you can take this as an off-label thing once in a while to help you get a boost of energy or whatever. Yeah, whatever. I, I know blood pressure medication doesn't work that way, but you know what I mean. Yeah, hypothetically. But, yes. but that off-label use is not protected. Yes. So if something happens to Augie while he's taking it off-label, he's on his own. Yeah, he's on his own. He right? can't sue the pharmaceutical company because they're like, dude, we told you it wasn't for that. Yes. Okay. And you, you decided you were going to take, you know, this is you thought it was some form of steroid and it turned out to give you a heart attack. That's not our problem. And this is a really good example of why there are so many lawyers that are involved <laughs> exactly. in the NDA, right? Because <laughs> right. Okay. that language is parsed within an inch of its existence. Distance, right. OK. And it's not just to cover, you know, CYA for the pharmaceutical companies. It's CYA for the federal government. Right. right? Okay. You approved this drug for this thing. And they say, no, we didn't. And then it looks in the paperwork and like, oh, maybe we did. Oh, crap. Right. Yes. <laughs> they have an oh, crap moment. Right. Okay. Here, but here's a really important uh, thing for listeners to know about the FDA's uh, approval process the FDA doesn't do its own testing. Right. They don't actually test this drug, they review 
the test results, the manufacturing information, okay, the drug label, they review it, okay, but they don't do the testing themselves. Which is why, which is why watchdog groups sometimes have a love-hate relationship with the, with FDA. the FDA, because yeah. they're like, really, you're taking the word of the pharmaceutical that it does what they say it's going to do and doesn't do the harm that they say it's not going to do without any kind of testing. And the answer from the FDA is, do you have any idea how many drugs get, get asked for approval, submitted yes. for approval? Yes. It's like a gazillion. Yes. And do you know how many we approve? How many do we approve, Augie? What is it? Less? It's 0. 0.0 something. 2%. Percent. 0. 0.02 percent they approve. Yes. They turn away 99 percent oh. of the drugs that ask to be. Yes. And they're like, what else do you want us to do? We're trying to regulate. But okay, what happens is, is that when a drug goes bad, it usually hurts yeah, a lot of people. And that's we're going to get to that in another episode. But, but I do let, think let, let's be clear about the percentage. Don't. OK, it's not that the FDA turns away over 99 percent. It's it's that of all the drugs that are attempted. Oh, sorry. OK, okay so of those in development, only point point oh two percent. OK, make it to market. Oh, I'm sorry. So you're yeah. talking about the failure rate all the way through. You're through, but nevertheless, that still means that the FDA, okay, is rejecting a whole bunch of drugs, right? <laughs> right. Okay, because pharmaceutical companies, okay, we didn't like your trials. We yeah. don't believe your data. We, we don't, think don't you like your manufacturing label. capacity, we, right? We're we're not yes. a fan of what you've said it will work for and not work for, right? But but um. <clears throat> But I do have it, but they do have, like, it's not bureaucrats making those decisions, right? No, it's, no, 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 no. They have scientists. They have some of the smartest people in the world. We're talking about PhDs, you know, MDs, okay? Going through those NDAs. It's yeah. not like me and yeah. you going yeah. through those NDAs <laughs> right. and, and reading the science and saying, I don't know, it looks good to me. I mean... <laughs> Right. So they're not yeah, just yeah. having what I think of as middle managers or, or like regular folk. They're yeah. having scientists yes. read through all that material. Yes. But I mean, can you imagine how much longer it would take if they oh. had to test everything? Yes. I mean, because and again, I've tried to explain this to my students. I'm like, hey, if, we, if you want the FDA to have a larger role, OK, OK, <laughs> then you need to be prepared for a slowdown. Yeah, you, it, we it, have it, only to point to the IRS to show it, it, how it, big a backlog can get. Or you want to go ahead and pay and see a huge increase in your taxes. Right. Okay, to hire. <laughs> I mean, or the cost of the drug. Yes, right. right? Uh, if they say okay, but the manufacturers are going to have to pay for that. Yeah, then the manufacturers are like, all right, but every pill is going to cost nine thousand dollars. Like, yeah, because because some watchdog groups have gone ahead and said, well, we should just have you know. You know, pharma pay for it yeah and, and of course <laughs> and pharma's like really because really? we didn't put in enough to start with so the we're billion that we threw in before that's not enough we got to now throw in yeah need right? to have it tested by the government you know and at some point in time okay accounts not a lawyers accounts for the pharmaceutical <laughs> companies are going to go ahead and say okay cost benefit analysis 
this just does not make sense. Right. Okay. But what it shows, which I think is interesting, is that the process is Byzantine and complicated. And so it really is um, an expensive venture for companies to get into. Yes. To try to make drugs. When it's easy for us to villainize big pharma because yeah. they are so villainous in some yeah. ways. I mean, they've but done also, the, just, yeah, they, yeah, they've, they've done, done stuff, and we're going to get to that where we talk yeah. about them and we are we hold no uh, nothing back. Yeah. But in also in fairness to them, that's a lot of money that's to put lot. out to fail. Yeah, because you, you have no think guarantee. billions per drug, and you're yes. not making it to the end process ninety nine percent of the time. You're losing a lot of money. Money, yes, yeah. And so that's a, you know, but by the same token, we also have to mention before we go, and we're going to say this in every episode, so y'all just get ready for it. The FDA has competing interests. Yes. Like every agency for the government, it both regulates a thing and encourages a thing. Yes. And that is inherently a tension. And that's going to, and, it, and, it, and at times it causes problems. Right. right? Because on one hand, uh, we created the Food and Drug Administration to make sure that our foodstuffs and our drugs were safer and were not harming American people. On the other hand, okay, we don't want that review process, that protection to be so burdensome that it provides a disincentive for the private sector to step up and give us, okay, new drugs. Thank you. Right? That's exactly, that's succinctly put. Thank you. Yeah. So and 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 gotta so, walk and they have to walk that line. I mean make and, it regulatory and, enough that people yes. don't just put snake oil up for sale like yes. they used to. Yes. Right. Or cocaine in Coca-Cola, which <laughs> is the rumor, but I don't know whether that's ever true or not. But but that's the rumor. So Coke don't sue me. Um but you know, between that and this is so regulated that it takes a drug. 50 years to come to market yeah i mean and by the time we get it to market a lot of the folks who had whatever it is are dead yeah so, so yeah cool augie thanks so much and, and listeners um a little bit of foreshadowing um a trailer if you will our next episode talking about costnia our next episode is going to look at one of the more controversial uh, issues related uh, to the FDA approval process, generics. I I have a friend who works in the pharmaceutical industry, yes. and he said generics are the dark hole into which all things go, <laughs> because because regulation becomes complicated, the law becomes complicated, all of it. So yeah, I'm looking it, forward to that. To that. Yeah, because what we're throwing on top of this drug approval process. Okay, is one of me and Nia's favorite topics. Okay, patents. <laughs> right. It just all get, it it all goes to hell when a patent is involved. All right. Let's yeah. just be honest. Sounds Thanks. good. Thanks, Augie. All right. You've been listening to Civil Discourse. Brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU Libraries.
Special thanks to the workshop for technical assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu slash discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.